Good morning. Welcome to River Community Church. My name is Sam. How about Drew and Andrew and Lion Bear? That was... Uh, whew, that's a, that's a story, man. Uh, and thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, I know that they lost all their merchandise, all that, that kind of stuff. That's how they, like, make it. So if you want to, like, help them out, I know this is one way, at least. I know for sure it at least helps maybe a tiny bit. If you, like, have Spotify or YouTube or any of those things, like, go, like, find them, put it on your playlist, and just put it on repeat. I don't know if that would be helpful or not, but do that. Uh, those are fantastic songs. You're going to hear another one later that I've, I've, it's already in, stuck in my head. But do that. That helps them just, just make it. So if you could do that in some way, that would be awesome. Uh, so we're in a series right now called Represent, talking about how the people in the book of Acts represent Jesus to their communities. And we look at how we then can apply that to our own lives and our own communities. And, and that's what we've been talking about. But today's just this is a little bit different. There's a little different bent to it. Today, you're going to walk out of here with, with two things. Number one, you're going to walk out of here with a conviction that this message of Jesus really is for everyone. No matter who they are, no matter how they live, it is for everyone. That's the first thing you're going to walk out of here with. The second thing is this. That means it's for you too. Personally. That means it's for you too. To understand why that matters and, and why that's true, we have to step back into the, the scene in the book of Acts. It's kind of a strange scene. It's, it's weird. It, it starts out with this man, master of the house, walking down the stairs. And he's got this look on his face, this just strange, odd look. It's, it's fear, it's, it's wow, it's, it's, it's this ability for him to just feel like, I don't know what just happened. Have you ever seen somebody with that look on their face? They're walking down, they're, they're afraid, they're excited, they're confused, they just don't know what's happening. It's this it's a strange look. And he walks down the stairs and he calls all of his people together. And they, he just gathers them in this room, and he says, hey, something crazy just happened. I need, I need my trusted soldier. So this trusted soldier shows up. And I, and I need these two servants. I need these two servants to be here. So trusted soldier, two servants. Guys, I got to tell you something. Something crazy just happened. I was up in my room, and then I had this dream or vision or this, this angel, like, showed up in front of me. And it, he told me this crazy stuff, like, like there's a man in Joppa that, that I need you to go and get. What? That's like 34 miles away. Why am I going to Joppa? What in the world are you talking about? But he says, no, 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 you don't understand. He told me something crazy is happening. I need you to go there and get a man named Simon Peter. I need you to go. And so they said, okay, well, when do you want us to leave? He's like, yesterday, leave now. I need you to go. So they get their stuff packed. They don't lose their luggage. It's great. Uh, and they literally leave immediately. I'm wondering, have you ever had your life changed in the most unexpected way? A strange set of circumstances, a chance conversation with a stranger, a drop-in knock at the door. As we explore this book of Acts, looking at how the followers of Jesus represented Jesus to their communities and therefore how we can represent Jesus well to our communities, there's this perception, right? There's this idea 
This perception that it's up to the apostles, it's up to these special followers of Jesus to go in and spread the message. Because that's what it seems to be about, right? Like you, you watch as these special apostles go walking around in different towns, they start speaking, giving these speeches, and all this stuff happens. But if you look closely, if you look really closely, if you pay attention, there's something more going on here. You can see it in the, uh, the serendipitous moment, a strange dream, a chance conversation, a connection only some higher power could have arranged, a, a knock at the door out of the blue. It's God working in the background of the fabric of our world. It's, it's all over the book of Acts. And in God, we see this. He's, he's paving a way forward for these, these believers, these followers of Jesus. And honestly, I'm confident that it still happens today. Like we look in the book of Acts and it happens all the time. But I'm confident it still happens today. Maybe you've experienced it. I know I have it. It's kind of embarrassing, right, to admit, like, like, man, I feel like God did this crazy thing, this crazy set of circumstances. I used to be embarrassed about it, but, but I've never seen it happen more often in my life than, honestly, in the last six months since, since the transition here. But this one, this one, with Cornelius, the Roman officer who came down the stairs and talked to his servants and a soldier, this was a big one. You see, in the background here is this question that was roaring under the surface, a volcano waiting to explode. And this is it. This is the volcano that was waiting to explode. It's this question, this question of, of who's in and who's out. Who's in and who's out. You see, no one ever really graduates from the uh, middle school table problem, the middle school lunch table problem. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? Like where, where you're going into the lunchroom for the middle school and you like race to the front of the line or you like coordinate who you're walking in with. You don't know why? Because there's only so many seats at the cool table, Right? Have you experienced this? Maybe that still happens at your lunch workplace. You're like trying to jockey for position. No, I'm in line first. No, I am. They don't care about the food. The food is awful. It's, it's when you get out of the line and when you can race to the chair to get on the cool table seat. And so you can sit by your friends and be there. Who's in? Who's out? The problem is there are only so many seats at the cool table. You've got to get the good seat, right? Have you ever been there? It's human nature to force the question, who's in and who's out? Now, the Jewish nation, Abraham, Isaac, David, Moses, this, this whole group of people that God traces through, they have this set of rituals, laws, festivals, fashion even, believe it or not, like a certain set of clothing they sometimes wear that sets them apart as different. They were different people. They that decided for them who was in and, and who was out. And, and it was on purpose. They were God's chosen people. They knew the real God. They were the keeper of his ways. They were the descendants of Abraham. They were the followers of the law of Moses. This was their identity. This set them apart. They were at the cool table. Whether other people thought so or not, they knew it, and they believed it. I mean, sure, people could join their faith, but they had to double down on following all the rules and regulations and, and those kinds of things to prove it. So with this new movement of following Jesus, 
this question was like the siren blaring in the background that everybody just ignored. Like we'll talk about that later. Who's in, who's out? It's the roaring volcano about to erupt and change the entire landscape. Who's in and who's out? And maybe even more importantly, what's required? Sometimes it takes an act of God to alter that understanding. Who's in and who's out? So this is lurking under the surface and in the background as a soldier and the two servants they near the house where Peter is staying. And Peter, Peter was hungry, okay? Peter was standing there hungry. He hadn't had lunch yet. It was past noon a little bit. So he's telling somebody, hey, can you make me some food? And he goes up to the top of the place where he's staying and he starts to, to wait for his food to be made. And he's kind of sitting there. And, and like you do, he goes into a trance. Um, so he's hungry, makes sense, right? And, and I'm not making this stuff. I'll, I'll just read it to you. It's in Acts chapter 10, 11 through 16. And it says this. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the street were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure, and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. When God opens your eyes to who's in when you, thought you were, when you thought that they were out, it's got to be a little dramatic, right, to make sure you didn't hear it wrong. So it continues. It says this. It says, They asked if a man named Simon Peter was standing there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the, the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went downstairs and said, I'm the man you are looking for. Why have you come? Okay, a Russian soldier and a couple Russian diplomats show up at your house, show up at your house, right? And they say, we have come to retrieve you. It's a bad accent. <laughs> do you go with them? No, right? No, you do not go with them. That would be the worst decision ever. Why would you go with these people? That would be so scary. You guys... This was worse. This was worse than that. Even walking into the house of a man who was a Gentile, a non-Jew, let alone a Roman army officer, an enforcer of the occupying enemy. To walk into their house was grounds for making you impure. You just don't do it. It's, it's likely Peter had never done that in his life just like he had never eaten foods that he wasn't supposed to eat. So to go with these Gentiles to see a Roman officer, this was an earthquake, the, the rumbling of an imminent volcanic eruption. And yet, the trance, the things he saw from God, the, the knock at the door at just the right time, the whisper in his ears, go with them without hesitation. Against all practical reasoning, Peter goes with them. 
after feeding the guys, they, they feed them, they, they let them rest for a night because it's a 34-mile walk to get there. They go the next morning. And you can imagine the, the whole walk there, Peter's kind of like rehearsing in his brain, like, what's this? What is going on? Why am I going here? I'm not supposed to be there. This is against the laws. This is against the rules. I'm not supposed to go in their house. What am I going to do? And remembering that voice, go with them without hesitation. So you can imagine the moment. They get to the house. And, and by the way, Cornelius had invited everybody. Like Aunt Susie, crazy Uncle Carl, cousin you haven't seen in like a year, they're all there at the house. They're waiting to see who this guy is that they're bringing. And so Peter gets there. He, he gets to the threshold of the house. He's never stepped over that before. And he takes a step. It says, as Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I am a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against our Jewish laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you have sent me. Cornelius, he describes what had happened to the angel, the directions that he's supposed to go and send for, for Simon Peter. Peter, hearing this, he begins with this line. He says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And he begins to tell the story of Jesus and what's happened and a little bit of the Jewish history and, and talking about how Jesus fulfills that and he makes us right when we follow him with God. And he finishes with this line. He finishes with this, these words. He says, He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And even as he's speaking, something happens. There's this moment of, of, of divine, I don't even know what to call it. There's this Holy Spirit that falls on them. That's how the Bible describes it. And some of them begin to speak different languages. It's this, it's this moment of showing that God is in this. That he is even going to go to the Gentiles. And Peter sees this. He, he witnesses this crazy thing. And, and he says, okay, well, well, we should go and get you guys baptized because that's the next step. And so this whole group of people, this whole household, this whole family, believes Jesus or the message of Jesus from Peter, goes and gets baptized. They had experienced God in a profound new way. They believed in and accepted Jesus' forgiveness, a peace with God through Jesus' sacrifice. But here's the thing. It's amazing, right? Like, I can't imagine even being there. It must have been wild and, and exciting and exhilarating. I can't believe even them too, right? But, but the thing is this. When, when you sit with a new group of friends at the lunch table, news travels fast, really fast. And as soon as word got out that Peter had walked into the door of this household, people started talking. He had some explaining to do. It says this next. It says, Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, he said? 
kind of sad, isn't it? It's sad that the first reaction is judgment and criticism, condemnation. But Peter, he explains what happened. How God had led them to him, and he to them from both sides. And he explained how they became believers and how God showed that they were believers in an incredible way. And because of that evidence, the people that Peter was talking to that were criticizing, that were judging the whole situation, they say this, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. And with that, the landscape shifts. The volcano exploded and reshaped the perception of who was in and who's out. There's more to this story. There's a lot of things that people wanted to hang on to to say, this is required still. You got to still do this. And that's a long story that we don't have time for right now. We're still kind of struggling with that story to this day. We're still wrestling with that. But the point is this. With this moment in history, when Peter walks to the door of Cornelius' house, the landscape changed. Them too? Those people too? Really? And God says, yeah, them too. There's a, a universality to our need for God. We all feel it. We all know that we need him. Something in us desperately needs to know, are we loved? Are we wanted? Are we here on purpose, with a purpose? Is there, is there a healing for this ache that I feel inside my bones, the stuff that I know just isn't right? The Jewish Jesus followers, they had all this rich history and tradition that Jesus perfectly fulfills that, that says yes to those questions. But the basic desires in us of being loved and wanted, having a purpose of finding healing, the basic problem of being human with our broken lives or of feeling not good enough and in need of forgiveness, in need of some power that can fix the things that we know are broken inside of us, that's self-evident. That's obvious to all of us. And when Peter shows up and begins to tell the story of Jesus. In that story, these outsiders see the meeting of their most basic fundamental needs and a remedy for the most basic fundamental problem, a cure for their brokenness. And it overwhelms them. <laughs> for us? For us too? That maybe, just maybe, this message of freedom of peace with God might be for them too. And it is. Them too. God makes that clear. But, but hear this. Hear this this morning. We are them. Like literally, we are them. We are the non-Jewish people. You and me. We're Gentiles. We're the people who the first Christians didn't think this message was for. We're them. You and me 
we're them. This message, it's for you too. It's for them, it's for you, it's for me. My wife and I, we were watching Netflix a movie a couple of days ago. Uh, it was the movie about, called The Atom Project. I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's interesting. It's kind of fun, quirky. It's a little science fiction, a little father-son drama going on. And uh, there, there's a scene towards the end of the movie. Sorry if I'm spoiling it for you, but you have to live with it. Um, it's a good movie. Go and see it. Uh, there's a scene towards the end of the movie where, where the dad is with the grown son, and then there's another son that's the same story. Um, but uh, they're, they're talking, right? And the grown son had been kind of the hero of the story. Like he's doing all the, the really hardcore, action-packed, I'm going to win this, I'm going to make it all right, I'm going to fix everything so it all works out for everybody else. And he's tough, right? And it comes to this moment where he and his dad are standing together towards the end of the movie, and the dad looks at his son and says, hey, I love you. I'm proud of you. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I know, I know. No, I, I love you. I'm proud of you. I know, Dad. I love you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. And you can see what happens. It's for him, too. They embrace, they hug, you can tell that something had changed inside of him. He had forgotten that he needed it too. I love you. I'm proud of you. This message of Jesus, this hope of Jesus, it's for them. It's for all the people you've been told or led to believe aren't worthy of it, too dirty, too whatever. It's for them. Don't keep it from them. Don't think that they're no longer worthy or did something too bad. It's for them. It's for all the people you know need it and want to hear it. But don't ever forget, don't ever get to a place in your life where you stop remembering that it's for you this message is for you, too. You are loved. You are wanted. There is a cure. There is hope for this brokenness inside of us. You are loved. You are wanted. There is a cure for your brokenness. You are loved. You are wanted. There is a cure for your brokenness. You are loved. You are wanted. There is a cure for your brokenness. Let it sink in for once because it's for you. You are loved. You are wanted. There is a cure for your brokenness. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you. There is a cure. He is the cure for your brokenness. We need it too. They need it. We need it. I need it. 
And I shouldn't assume, right? Like maybe you don't think you need it, that's fine. I'll just tell you personally, I know I need it. I need it. I need to remember that I'm loved by Jesus. I'm wanted by Jesus. There is a cure from him for my brokenness. And I need it. If you're here this morning and you need to remember that, then I'm going to say a prayer. And that prayer is going to be very simple. And I, I know this is hard. Like, we're, we're nice and Midwestern nice, right? Like, we don't like to show emotion very often. So this is uncomfortable for us, maybe a little bit. But, but I want you to just take a moment right now. And as I pray, I want you to think to yourself, have I been living like this is all for everybody else? And have I paused for just a moment to remember that it's for me, too? And I need it, too. So as I pray, I'm going to just talk to God and say, hey, God, I need you. And if you want that too, you can. And then the second part of the prayer will be, God, help me to have your eyes so that I never think anyone is beyond your love. And that's how we'll close. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I know personally that I need you. <laughs> I so desperately need you. I'm not enough. I'm broken. I mess up all the time. I am all those things. So God, rem help me to remember this morning that I need you and that this message of hope and forgiveness and love through your son Jesus is for me too. It's for me too. And God, as I internalize that and as I realize just how much I need you. Help me to see now with new eyes that they do too. Whoever that person is that I once thought was beyond reach, help me to remember that they need it too. And with the desperation that I need it with, God, help me to realize that they have that same desperation in need of it. We thank you so much for your love and for the chance to be here this morning, God, and worship you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.